We may be closer to a season with at least 60 games, but is that good news for a couple of fast starting pitchers? Like death and taxes, Dodger's been a Dodger. <laughs> I have but, not had uh, three co-brews uh, yet. It works great in a fantasy league. I'm just glad I am not at the dentist. Fantasy Baseball in 15. On The Athletic. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball in 15 for Thursday, June 18th. I'm Al Melkier. I'm here with Michael Beller and Michael Beller. We, I don't want to get uh, carried away here, <laughs> uh, but uh, we have we have better news today than we've had, I think, in, in quite a while in regards to baseball. So uh, might as well uh, enjoy the positive developments that we do have. Uh, that uh, it came to light uh, on Wednesday that Rob Manfred met in person with Tony Clark in Arizona. And in fact, they had been meeting for two days. The initial report came from John Heyman, but then it later, later uh, came out that uh, the two were meeting uh, as, as early as Tuesday. Um, and then um, on Wednesday, a proposal was reported uh, that went to the Players Association. And um, before we get into the nitty gritty of it, uh, is this uh, lifting your, your baseball spirits? Definitely. I mean, it feels like things are really progressing in a meaningful way. I don't know why these two didn't sit down with one another face to face, maybe in May at some point or, you know, <laughs> earlier in June or really at any point before it reached where it has. But uh, not going to be here and just be Captain Hindsight on these guys. Uh, definitely feeling better today than we have at really any point uh, about there being a 2020 season since baseball shut down way back in the middle of March. I had never heard of Captain Hindsight. Uh, I, yeah, well, never I didn't want to introduce you. I didn't with, want to introduce you to with, him. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, never on the same boat with uh, Captain Obvious. You never, <laughs> never see them together. Uh, so uh, let's get into some of the details. Um, so one of the things that has pushed this forward, and, and something that uh, we've discussed earlier in the week, is that the union has agreed agreed to waive any potential grievance. Uh, but uh, according to the Athletics' own Ken Rosenthal, here are uh, some of the other details. Uh, the owner's proposal is for 60 games over a 70-day span that would start on either July 19th or 20th, uh, fully prorated salaries. So there's uh, definitely a give and take there in terms of the, the union getting the fully prorated salaries that they've, they've wanted, uh, but waiving the grievance. Uh, also expanded playoffs, not only for 2020, but also 2021, expanding to 16 teams. So uh, I've got an interesting tweet from Jason Stark in a minute that I'll get to uh, in terms of what that might make the playoffs look like. And there was also a tweet on Wednesday from Bob Nightingale of USA Today saying that uh, the sides are hoping to reach an agreement by Saturday. So that would certainly be nice. Just a few days away, um, but uh, you know we. Are, so that's why I say you know I, I want to temper my expectations a little bit. This is not a done deal. Uh, there's s- still um, you know the the exact number of games. Um, you know whether they're going to agree on sixty or the consensus seems to be that the the union will want more games. So that'll all get uh, get ironed out. So yeah, let me go to that tweet from uh, Jason Stark, Michael. Um, he uh, said these are the teams that would have made a 16-team postseason field in 2019 after the first 60 games. From the NL, Dodgers, Brewers, Cubs, Braves, Phillies, Padres, Cardinals, Rockies, 
in the AL Astros, Twins, Yankees, Rays, Rangers, Red Sox, Indians, and Athletics. And the team that's missing, of course, I'm sure you noticed already, the Nationals. Yep. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, I will just come out and say it doesn't really matter to me. I don't want a 16-team postseason forever. But for the next two seasons, I, I can live with the novelty of it. Yeah, so can I. And first of all, a 60-game season, you can't pretend like it's going to be totally representative. So there's going to be some weird things uh, that happen over any 60-game window. We just happen to have a 60-game window be a full season for 2020. So some screwy things are going to happen. Don't argue with it. Just live with it. Let it be and be happy that there's going to be baseball this season. Uh, 2021, it could create some interesting things. Um, but uh, we'll, you know, we'll again, another thing that we'll live with when we get there. Something that's interesting, I think, more for the 2020 season is that the only way you could really have a season be even close to representative if you're only going to have 60 regular season games is by expanding the playoffs, right? I mean, we know that a 60-game season is nowhere near close to what a full Major League Baseball season looks like. So if you're really trying to have a representative season, you have to expand the playoffs. So I don't think you can carry off a 60-game season and only have the 10 total playoff teams. So I'm actually happy to see it for this year. Next year, we'll live with it. 2022, hopefully we go back to, well, I would go back to a much different playoff system, but that's a totally different topic. Okay, well, maybe maybe we can revisit (laughs) another time. Um, have you ever played a, uh, postseason fantasy game? Uh, no, not for baseball, actually. Yeah, I, I have. And, uh, so this would make me actually a little bit more interested in, in doing that, uh, for this year, especially because if it is only 60 or 66 games or whatever it winds up being, uh, you know, that's, that's just an appetizer really. Um, so with a, a larger uh, postseason like that, uh, I think it would make it a little bit more interesting. Yeah, I mean, I may have to look into uh, playoff fantasy baseball this year. Like you said, it could be a fun new way to extend the fantasy baseball playing for the 2020 season. But if we do get a 2020 season, one thing I know, Al, it's definitely not going to stink. And really, that's important because it's important to smell good. We want everything to smell good. We want ourselves to smell good. We want baseball seasons and the way that they're played out and the competitive integrity to smell good. And you know who else wants things to smell good? Hawthorne. Hawthorne wants everything to smell good because Hawthorne smells good and Hawthorne makes you smell good. And it is really easy to get. All you got to do is take a quick two minute quiz. Hawthorne will hook you up with the products that fit your personality. Answer questions like what is your favorite drink? Hawthorne puts together this whole mix of colognes and deodorants and shampoos and whatnot and really makes you feel good. I've used the products. They've made me feel good. Father's Day right around the corner. A perfect gift for dad. So go ahead and check out Hawthorne at hawthorne.co. That's Hawthorne with an E and dot CO, not dot com. Hawthorne.co. Use our promo code 15 to get 10% off your first purchase. That's Hawthorne.co and use our promo code 15 to get 10% off your first purchase. Hawthorne.co. Well, Michael, you know what also uh, would make things uh, feel good and, and smell good this uh, baseball season, this fancy baseball season, is to have pitchers that get off to a fast start because, um, you know, it's a short season and a fast start could just turn into just a, a, a especially good season. And so we went through this exercise on Tuesday's show with a, a fast starting hitter and a slow starting hitter. I wasn't really able to find a pitcher who has been a consistently slow starter over the last several years. I'd say the closest I found to that was, was you Darvish, but it's really kind of a mixed bag for him. But there were two starting pitchers who have been pretty consistently 
fast starters. And so I just want to talk a little bit about each of these pitchers and see if you think that their value should change uh, now that we seem to be heading towards a 60 or 65 game season. So let's start with Jose Barrios, um, who uh, in each of the last two seasons has really been spectacular through the end of April. Um, Wobas uh, that he's allowed 275 and lower. Um, as compared to Woba's a little bit over 300 uh, for the rest of the season. And my question to you, Michael, in regards to, to Barrios is that those low March and April splits are definitely skewed by good numbers at target field. And this is something you raised, a possibility you raised with the hitters, that is it just that they're not really inherently slow or fast starters. It's just that they're helped or, uh, you know, in some cases maybe hurt by the climate early in the season. So in this case, you know, a couple of pitchers uh, maybe that are helped by colder weather early on. So given that we're not starting in colder weather, I mean, is this actually a bad thing for Jose Barrios that maybe we get the kind of more mediocre version of him over 60 plus games? I mean, I think that's really the only way you can read it. If you're trying to read it one way, there's probably no colder place in Major League Baseball in April than Minneapolis, where the Twins play uh, outdoors all year long. So I don't think that uh, this is a, a way that we could spin this as a positive because ain't going to be no cold weather in Minneapolis at this time of year. Even Minnesota gets plenty hot in the summer. So I think you can only spin this as a negative. Uh, I've said this a few times, Al. I'm really not trying to lean on any slow start, fast start tendencies that players have had over the past because of how unique this season is going to be. So what I'll say about Barrios is this. I just feel like if he was ever going to break through to the for sure front line lock it up ace that we thought he could have been a little earlier in his career, I think it would have happened by now. I mean, you're looking at a guy who over the fir- the full three seasons of his career has ranged between a 3.68 and a 3.89 ERA, a 23.2 and a 25.4% strikeout rate, a 114 and a 123 whip. Great numbers to be sure, but not quite those front line numbers. So I think you have to go into the season thinking Brios is, you know, an SP2. And you can't expect him to be an SP1, and he probably shouldn't fall down into the mid to low SP3 range, but he certainly could be an SP3, and this is before we throw all the 60-game caveats into it. So I'm not the biggest Jose Barrios fan. I think that uh, where we see his fantasy pros consensus ranking, where we've seen his ADP is a little bit too high. I think where the projection systems have him pegged is a little bit more in line with where he should be. Yeah, which would be... Uh, you know, like low end SP two in a in a twelve teamer or, or uh, actually even in a fifteen teamer. Um, so yeah, kind of on the cusp of a two three, which is it sort of sounds like that's that's where you do have him. Yeah. Uh, now the other pitcher that I uh, came across who's had a similar pattern is Matt Boyd, and of course I think we all remember the great start that he had uh, in in twenty nineteen, uh, and it turned out to be a breakout year for him, but one that certainly. Um, you know, got worse as it went along, but really going back the last three seasons, it's been a pretty consistent pattern for Boyd where he's been much better through the end of April than he's been from May 1st on forward. And there's not the pattern with Boyd, like there was for Barrios where it's clearly explained by home splits. So um, do we maybe give Boyd a little bit more benefit of the doubt and maybe even bump him up a little bit on the chance that he really just is better in his first few starts? Um, Again, I just don't think that we can draw that sort of conclusion. Uh, The conclusion I'm going to draw with Boyd is that the strikeout numbers spiked in a big way last year, and the stuff uh, really does suggest that he can be that sort of strikeout pitcher. 
and outliers are going to win fantasy leagues this year. And because of Boyd's strikeout stuff, he can be that sort of outlier. I also put a little bit of credence into the fact that he had a career high in innings pitch last year. Now, not a huge career high, 170 in a third in 2018, 185 and a third in 2019. But, you know, 15, in a thir- 15 innings on the dot, it's about two starts, right? So maybe he was... You know, wearing down a little earlier, wearing down a little earlier, and then the bottom fell out a little earlier than we would have seen from uh, Boyd this year if he does pitch at that same uh, you know, inning per start ratio that he had last season. So he's a guy who I love reaching for. And if you're talking about Matthew Boyd at his ADP versus Jose Barrios at his ADP, I don't even think it's close. I think it's Boyd in a total walkover, and I just love that strikeout stuff being the stuff of outlierness that can lead someone to a fantasy championship this year. So, you know, I think they represent different types of pitchers too, because Barrios uh, has been consistent year to year, maybe not month to month, but year to year. He seems like kind of a safe pick that uh, if he does fall to where you're ready to pick your SP3 that he provides you a little bit of stability before you really pursue that upside. Whereas I think Boyd's more that, that upside type guy. Um, would you, who would you actually just rather have pound for pound? It sounds like Boyd, but um, you know, given the risks associated with Boyd, um, does that hurt him at all in your estimation? Yeah, I guess it does. But I mean, again, I I don't mean to belabor the point, but, you are going to win fantasy leagues by getting outlier performances over a weird 60 game window from multiple players on your team. Like there's no sure fire way to win a league this year. And often in fantasy baseball at the end of the year, you look at the team who won and it's like, yeah, of course they won. They had all these great players who pretty much hit their uh, expected production levels. And then one or two guys who way outperformed what we thought they were going to be back in March this year. I think you're going to see teams that have, half or two-thirds of their teams be guys who way outperform their expectations in June because that's what happens in 60-game windows. Baseball is 162 games long for a reason. This is going to be a very weird year. Shoot for upside all over the place. Matt Boyd's got it in spades. I really like him this year. He's going to be on a lot of my teams. He's already on a couple, one where I had him as a keeper, one where I drafted him back in God only knows when that draft was. But, uh, hey, I'm going to have a lot of Matt Boyd this year, that's for sure. (laughs) All right. Well, I, I like it. I like it. And, you know, we've been pretty upbeat on this episode more than. It's a great than, turn. Uh, it's a great rec- turn. I love it. it. It's a great turn. So I'm sorry to do this, Michael. But <laughs> the thing is, you know, one thing that we haven't really talked about on this episode is that, you know, there's still the the COVID uh, pandemic that's still uh, out there. And um, even if, um, you know, the, the players union and the owners can get it together, uh, there's still that, uh, you know, uh, pr- possibly jeopardizing the season. And that has been addressed by Andy McCullough in today's featured read on The Athletic. Figuring out when and where is easy, the how still isn't. So uh, if you want to, you know, keep the good vibes going, maybe read that one later. But it's a very good piece by uh, Andy McCullough that you definitely should check out. So for Michael Beller, I'm Al Melkier, and we'll be right back here on Fantasy Baseball in 15 on Friday. 